Good morning and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Bacon and Eggs. We got a pretty special episode for you this week. As some of you may have known, our, t- our host Tyler Carlin is on his honeymoon right now. So I brought in a, a little bit of a ringer, one of the only people in the world who's known Tyler longer than me, and that is his brother Ben. Ben Carlin of the Super Carlin Brothers. Ben, how you doing? I am doing great, and I'm so freaking excited to be on y'all's show. This is going to be so much fun. We're super excited to have you. We, we brought you in because we know that you're an expert on this topic. I mean, you're a literal Jedi. A, li- a literal Jedi. Well, I, you know, we actually did a deal with uh, with Lenovo earlier this year, and just today I got like my Jedi challenges, like headset and lightsaber. And the I whole know. Bit. I saw. I was so excited. I was like, this could not be a better day for him. Oh my gosh! I know. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's been all Star Wars all day. Uh, for Jay sure. And I. Uh, for the Super Carlin Brothers channel, actually recorded our um, our complete review of the Last Jedi today, which would be going up tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, December nineteenth. So perfect. So yeah. that video will be linked in our description because this will be up Thursday. Cool. So you cool. guys will. How do you know how long it's going to end up being your uh, your your full review? I'm, I'm sure you guys spoke at length. Oh gosh, yeah. I don't even know like what the final cut of it's going to be. I know that we recorded over an hour of footage. Good gosh. Um, I I think we're going to have to clean it up dramatically. But oh yeah, the, there's the, always you know some level of, of stuff that needs to be removed. Yeah, right. the the moral of the story is there's no shortage of stuff to talk about with this movie. <laughs> exactly. Fair enough, Ben. So tell tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Super Carlin Brothers to start with, just for those who may not know that are listening. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, so Super Carlin Brothers is uh, it's a YouTube channel that basically delves into theories associated with anything Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and Marvel uh, are like the big ones that we cover. Really, what we do is just dig deep into like any uh, plot hole or Easter egg or anything we can really find and kind of put together a theory that sort of gives the story a little something else. Um, it's something that like we never really set out to do when we originally set up the channel. We originally did the uh, Vlog Brothers Brotherhood 2.0 challenge. For I remember entire- videos every what every two days for a year or something like that. It was it was five days a week. Five so days a week. We were alternating, so it would be like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, and so every other week you would have like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or, or the Tuesday, Thursday. Gotcha. Um, yeah. When I got into YouTube, it was not something that I wanted to do at all. I, I basically needed a roommate, and Jonathan, my brother, wanted somebody to do the uh, the challenge and the channel with him, and I kind of dived in, and it has right. been the, the best decision of my life, and it's, it's and like- here um, you're what, five, six years later? Yeah, so we started in 2012, and so here we are capping off 2017, so. Good gracious. And how many, how many subscribers do you guys have now? YouTube. Uh, we are approximately, we're coming up on 1.5 million, right? My right in the 1.4 range. Yep. As, I feel like it's grown exponentially since you guys hit a million. Oh my gosh. You know, it, it's unbelievable. Like there, there are days, we've had a couple of days where we have picked up over 10,000 subscribers in one day. That's insane. Yeah. And, and Jay and I would just be sitting there like staring at our phone. Like I can't what? believe. How, we, yeah, how are we doing this? Yeah. It's, it, it is so unbelievable. And oh I can promise you, like, I I told my audience at, like, 100,000 that I would get this massive tattoo of a grizzly eagle shark somewhere oh, yeah. on my body. Like, on your leg, right? We were talking about this a couple months ago. Yeah, if, if we hit a million subscribers. That was, like, one of those things that I tossed out there as, like, total... <laughs> that will never happen. I'm not making a promise. I'm just speaking in jest. Right, um, and... Here you are, you're going to be knocking on the door of 2 million before probably June, I would imagine. Oh my gosh, if that was the case, we would be just unbelievably excited. So we'll we'll see. I don't have the tattoo yet, but I haven't completely ruled it out. But 
Okay, um, fair enough. It's fair it's a enough. cool tattoo. Yeah, you, you told me it was a pretty in-depth drawing, and you were oh my kind God, of yeah. terrified. I would not want to know how much that would cost. It is, <laughs> it is the most detailed grizzly eagle shark you've ever seen. Oh, for those of you who don't know, grizzly eagle shark is exactly what it sounds like. It's a, a hybrid chimera animal that is a combination of a grizzly bear, an eagle, and I believe a great white shark. Yes, that, that is exactly correct. Where, where did that come from? Honestly, I think it was maybe like my eighth video ever. Um, I was going to say, it's been around a long time. Yeah, if if even that. I think the first time I ever referred to it, it was an eagle, eagle grizzly shark. I'm pretty sure on the 4th of July. Um, and it was it was one of these things that we kind of fired up. And we honestly, we don't even refer to it on the channel all that often, but it just... it's It lives in folklore. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The, well, that's how you know the true fans because they're right, like, who's gone back and listened or watched to you know five years worth of videos right 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 right. fair enough fair enough so so you guys do this full-time though this this is your yeah full your full-time gig. gig um so basically jay and i both quit our day jobs um i was working uh an aquarium company before i was doing this i still own that company uh but i, I don't work with it hands-on anymore I'm just a purely management role and um jay's full-time gig and we actually have like a full-time you know with health benefits uh, video editor that works with us as well. Uh, right. Fair enough. So I asked you that question to ask you this question. What what a lot of people, especially in, in the kind of industries that we work in, want to know is what do you what do you call yourself to people outside of the industry? Like you when somebody asks you what you do for a living and you have to give them I'm a blank. Oh gosh. Um most of the time I do tell people now that I'm a professional YouTuber. Um, okay. I don't think that it was until we got our first brand deal that I thought of myself as as anything to, to, to use the word professional is like such a big statement. Um, I right. Think it, it suggests a certain amount of skill that I, I don't know if I can claim that I have. Um, but I, I do think the fact that we are on the internet and that there are companies out there that will reach out and, and pay us um, like, you know, a, a decent sum of money to to refer to their product or brand. Uh, I feel like that was the marker for me when I was like, okay, I can probably make mention of, of professional. I can I can say that this is my job now. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly, exactly. Right. So, and that's the goal for a lot of people. So, I've got a couple. I I wrote out to some of our listeners, and I got a couple questions here for you, people that want to know a few things about you. So they're they're kind of scattered, kind of random, and we're just going to kind of go with it. My first one I got there was my favorite, Ben. You just became an uncle, so that makes you Uncle Ben. Funkle Ben, yes. And the question is, do you fear for your life? Oh man, this I feel like people people figured this out. And, um, actually the day that he was born, I sent Jay and Beth, uh, like a big, um, edible arrangements and on the card, it just literally said, congratulations with great power comes great responsibility, Uncle Ben. So you just bought into it? I bought straight into it. Good, straight good, into good. it. Okay. So that's, so are you afraid that, um, that you're, you know, you're going to meet your untimely fate? Well, and you they- know, if, if it means that my nephew becomes a superhero, then, you know, like, I, I feel like it's for the greater good. So... I, I don't know if I fear it. I would I would just be excited to know. Like if, if it was coming, that would be the only assumption so, in my mind. Like if I'm in New York City and, and somebody comes and attacks me, I'm like, this could oh, only my mean... uncle's gonna be Spider-Man now. Right. It, it could only mean one that would be my dying thought. So Perfect. Silver lining. Perfect. There you go. Okay. Next quick question for you. What is your favorite video you've made in the last five years? Oh my gosh. Um so it was actually not a video that I hosted, but it's a video that when we were working on it, it was like the most all hands on deck project that we've ever had. Uh, we had an intern at the time, Jay, myself, and um, and our video editor, DK. And we had heard this story that uh, we call Toy Story Zero. 
and basically it was kind of like the untold backstory of Andy from Toy Story's dad. And okay. it goes through, um, you know, basically everything, how Woody came to uh, be in Andy's possession. It's the most like heartfelt, so incredibly like heart wrenching Pixar story that there is. Um, it was, it was a video that we made and everybody was just laser focused on everything. We were like combing through it over and over again. It was just, it's as excited as I think I've ever been to just be like in the room, being a part of it. It was like, we had this groundbreaking story that was going to be so fun. Um, if those of you, those of you who are familiar with it probably know that Andrew Stanton, uh, one of the, uh, top top guys over at Pixar kind of shot the whole thing down. But, you know, it's the story to me and the guy who told it to us was so genuine that I'm that I'm not willing to give up on it. So so where did that story come from? Um, so the story came from a guy named Mike Mozart, and okay. he was like a super early YouTuber. I think at one point in time, he was like the number five most subscribed to person on YouTube, like, you know, back in the earliest days of, of the channel. And yeah. Before anybody hit a million subscribers. Right. He had like 300,000 and that was like remarkable and he reviewed toys. Um, and that was the big thing was that uh, during that time, everybody kind of knew him as this toy expert. And he would go on like every Christmas to talk about like all of the rarest toys and why they're rare. And he has like a 6,000 square foot warehouse full of like every single collectible you could ever imagine. Wow. And he was an artist. And okay. basically he would do like all of the artwork for Disney for like coloring books, for action figures, like the those little $12 pools that you see outside of Walmart. Like if you've ever wondered who put Ariel from the Little Mermaid on it, it was this guy. Gotcha. Um, and basically at the time that they were developing Toy Story, they kept using him as kind of a consultant and so he became friends with uh, Joe Ranth, who was one of the key writers over there. And once upon a time, they went to lunch and basically, you know, hashed it all out. He explained the whole backstory because Mike thought it was just like a, like a plot hole. He's like, oh, you know, Toy Story is good, but it, it has its problems. And Joe Ranth was like, no, there are no problems. Uh, at least, at least that's the way that Mike tells it. So, right. um, I won't, I won't okay. spend the whole podcast recapping that story, but it is a very cool one, and I suggest you check it out. I will, I will have to do that. That's not one of your videos that I've seen, and I've, I mean, I've seen a lot of them, but yeah, <laughs> I, it, it's a fun one. I, if you, if you don't tear up a little bit, I would be surprised. I think all of us, like every time we heard it, we were just like slowly welling up. Got a couple more for you here, real quick. How did you get introduced to Star Wars, and has it been a big part of your life? Oh my gosh, uh, yeah. So I remember when I was a kid, I must have been five or six years old, and I was at Sam's Club, like one of those major super centers. Um, yeah, you have to have a special card to get in. Yeah, you got the special card, you know, like the gray laminated card, and. Um, so I was with my mom and she picked up this box set of like the VHS with, with the, the original trilogy in it. And I remember her showing it to me and being like, these movies will change your life. And I was like, whatever, mom, you know, <laughs> like, I guess I didn't think twice of it. And I don't even know um, after that event how soon it was that we watched it, but it was it was soon thereafter. And every Sunday night, our family would like watch a movie together as as right. like a unit. And so for three weeks in a row, we would have watched A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. And um, we just got like outstandingly hooked on on the whole thing. We collected every action figure known to man. I had, you know, I had like an AT-AT, the Millennium oh, yeah. Falcon, uh, yeah. just every toy. 
Uh, so when the the prequels came out, th- this is how I can tell you that I'm a Star Wars fan, is that when the prequels came out, I loved them. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> well, because I was I was maybe 10 or 11 years old when they came out. So I saw them, you know, I saw them in theaters and I couldn't wait for them to come out. Um, and it was something where it didn't even occur to me to question whether or not a Star Wars movie was good. Like that was just, that was so how like romanticized I had made it was like, these will be good no matter what. And it wasn't just you. I mean, nobody decided they were bad until four or five years down the line. Right, right. Yeah, like, uh, I, I, I don't remember all the fallout. But then again, you know, the internet just wasn't... It wasn't It wasn't a thing. It wasn't around. Right, right. I mean, it was around, but, there, but social media wasn't a thing, and there was no nowhere to go to talk about that. Well, so, and, you know, and it's so often the case, I feel like, where, where people will see what the common opinion of something is, and then and then they know what the popular opinion... Like, they, they yeah. react to it as if it would be the wrong thing to do to suggest that they they like something that they know the public dislikes. Right. Or the or vice versa. It's if the public likes it too much. Right. So you, you like, like the prequels when they came out though. When, when I was a kid, yes, um I, I liked the prequels and um I actually just went back before this movie came out, I, I rewatched every Star Wars movie uh in the week leading up to it. And um well the prequels are you know they're they were mismanaged and, and they they tried to do what they thought was popular right like one of the things that uh, that i always say about the prequels is that they they felt like lightsabers were so cool that if you had them everywhere the movie would be cool oh the choreography was incredible what one of the one of the hands down things that i can say they did better than the originals was that they the the fight scenes were so cool right like yeah darth maul was like you know like a stunt double or something and so you know he was able to to very acrobatically move and you're exactly right like if you go back and watch the original few the lightsaber battles especially darth vader and obi-wan is is like well they only last for a few seconds yes it's and it's outstandingly underwhelming. Yeah. It's, it, they they basically are just like waving umbrellas right. at each other in the street. Oh yeah, you know, like it's it's not exactly the most thrilling thing in the world. But then again, relative situations, you know, Star oh. Wars was a completely at yeah, that time. It was got to think in 1977, right? I mean, people thought it was real, right? Right? Yeah, it's like yeah the. The idea of laser swords and, and lightsabers, I mean, that was just, that I mean, in and of itself was, right. was just so groundbreaking. That it was, I, I mean, I had no reason to believe they weren't real. Even when I saw the prequels, I was just like, yeah, okay, they they have these. They're, that's, you know, they're fighting with them, obviously. What <laughs> obviously. Else they, they can totally just, they can stop laser beams at, at about three feet long. That's totally how that works. Right. Dude, I can tell you that growing up, there was nothing that I wanted more than a lightsaber. I remember this... This one time where Jay and I went in the backyard and took our dad's shovels and just started digging a hole. And we were convinced that we were going to find just a trunk full of all things Star Wars. So I remember going to bed one night and Jay and I were just like talking until we fell asleep. And we were like claiming when we found all of the lightsaber artifacts in our backyard, which one each of us got. And I would be like, oh, I get the green lightsaber. And Jay would be like, I got... I got Darth Vader's red one. There were no opportunity, no options that it wasn't. It wasn't there. Oh no! It was. It was going to be there. Like we we knew it was there. We just we just had to dig deep enough. What is something that you dislike but you wish you loved? Oh my gosh! I have the exact answer to this. It is the Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, I'm so with that. Oh my gosh! It's like Alice's. That's my girlfriend's favorite 
movie. I just, I hate it so much. Like it creeps me out. It like, I mean, as a kid, this is, this is completely genuine. This is something where as a kid, it wasn't like, I just assumed everything was good. Right. I watched that movie and it legitimately gave me nightmares. Like right. it, it, nobody was telling me whether or not to like it. I remember I was at a sleepover at one of my friend's houses. It was near Christmas and they were like, oh, let's watch this movie. I love it. And I, I, I think I had to go home in the middle of the night. I was so terrified. It's like, Goodness. oh, it just, it creeps me out. Like, does it not bother anybody else that you have an entire town that is like lucratively following this one hyper, like charismatic character that is doing something that's inflicting terror? Like, right. do, it's, do, it's do, horrifying. Do, do you see where I'm kind of going with that? Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's just... It's, it's like if everybody in Sleepy Hollow decided to worship Ichabod Crane for riding around on a horse with no head. Right, right, yeah. So just oh just God. a I'm... just a bizarre movie. But yeah, that's one where I, and I have watched so it now. I have watched it with her now, I think, four times in the past maybe like 14 months. And um, I, I can tell you that one thing I do like about it, the music is pretty spectacular. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but the the problem with it is it never goes away, right? Because it's it's a Halloween movie, it's a Christmas movie, it's in Kingdom Hearts, right? It never it just, goes away. You can't. It's in Blink One Eighty Two songs. You can't shake it. Yeah, yeah, nope, oh, absolutely. So and and sure. so many people even they're just like I just call it a. So many people I put a poll out on Twitter once upon a time. So many people were like, it's a Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas movie because it's like you're either splitting the difference. Or, um... Or you're watching it one or the other. One or the other, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think it's a Halloween movie. I think it's a Halloween movie. I Because there there aren't as many... Like, the, Christmas is already flooded with movies. Obviously. Like, there are so many bad Christmas movies. Just go on Netflix. I dare you. Just search Christmas. You'll find three classics and some of the worst movies you've ever seen in your life. Well, I've been spending the past the past couple weeks of my life basically trolling through all of those. So, right, right. And yeah, so that was, that was my deal with her, is that we had to watch the Saw movies if we watched... Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, like all of them? <laughs> well, so I think we got the Saw Saw Four. Okay. Before we finally were like, okay, we've had enough. I was gonna say, if you had to, like, there's like eight or nine of them now. There's so many. There's yeah, so many. That th that doesn't seem like a fair trade off. I mean, I would I would absolutely make that deal. Were I you, but were I her, I don't think so. Well, we and we we both had lists. So like, I had never seen Hocus Pocus until this year. So um, right. basically, I just I lumped all of mine into the Saw movies, which. Full disclosure are not movies that like I love or anything like that. I no, was just trying to find. They're, they're, there's just movies that a you want to get back at somebody. Right, and right. So you're gonna make me watch this. I'm gonna make you watch something you're gonna truly not enjoy. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes there's just stuff people have to watch. Just torture with torture. Okay, well we're gonna dive into this whole Star Wars: The Last Jedi thing. So if you're listening right now and you have not seen the movie, go watch the movie. Stop listening to a podcast. Yeah, drive seriously. Because drive to your local movie theater. Um, get movie pass. It's nine ninety nine a month month and it's the most amazing thing ever and you can just watch as many movies as you want to one every day and go watch star wars go watch star wars because we are going to spoil just yes, everything not, i'm not holding back at all after this point so there'll be some kind of beeping noise and after that you're good so, um, real quick about this, this movie came out on December 15th, which as we're recording was like three whole days ago. Yes. And it was made on a budget of $200 million and it has already, uh, almost tripled that. That sounds exactly right. Yeah. It's sitting, it's sitting somewhere above 500 million right now. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. I, I had not even checked to see what its box office was, uh, until Jay and I made our review, I needed to, to steer clear of, of most popular opinions about it. So. Right. 
Um, I for it was sure impossible, it was impossible not to know that it was frantic, but um, for sure. Yeah, so I. I hadn't so, seen that number yet. That's insane. So uh, as, we, of, as of close last night, it was 450.8, which made it the third highest weekend of any movie ever. Whoa! Which was, it made it second highest opening weekend because the top two are still held by The Force Awakens. <laughs> the first and second best weekends ever for a movie were weekend one and two for The Force Awakens. Which, by the way, I love. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, 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 as much as I love to give credit to the prequels for everything they did, and like, yeah, they had some scripting issues, the acting didn't really hold up, the special effects didn't really hold up, The Force Awakens was a thousand times better. Yeah, oh, yes, yeah. I mean, I would go so far as to say The Force Awakens is my favorite Star Wars movie. Um, I, I know that that is not a popular opinion, and that most people would say Empire is the best one. Now, I, I, I would agree with you that I think, I, I would say Empire probably still is the best one, but I think Force Awakens is my favorite. I don't yeah, think okay, those two things fair. have to be, uh, those two things aren't exclusive. Sure, that's, um, that is totally fair, totally fair. I won't but argue with you on that. I also, I you know, to some extent, Empire probably gets a better rap than it deserves. Oh, well, that's that's where you go back to this idea of, uh, like, what is, what is the popular opinion? Do you know how everybody feels about something? Because that probably is where a lot of people know that the correct answer to what is your favorite Star Wars movie is Empire. That's for sure. That's how it works. For sure. So nobody knows how they feel about this one yet. I'm going to list a couple stats for you real quick because it's just something we do at the beginning. So on Rotten Tomatoes right now, it's sitting at a 93% from the critics, 93 out of 100. Okay. Which makes okay. it the second best movie we've, or second most highly rated movie we've reviewed so far from the critics behind Iron, behind Iron Man 1. Wow. 94%. And it, it has a 56% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which puts it dead last behind all the other movies we reviewed. That's insane. There's, I've, I've never in my life seen a bigger split than that. You want to know what it is, though, is I think that probably if you were to delve into the analytics of it and, and figure out, like, what people are rating it, I think that there are a huge portion of people that would rate it, like, a 1, 2, or 3, and a huge portion of people who would rate it uh, a 7, 8, 9. Right. And, and so what I I think you're really seeing with that is is just on this side of the seven eight nines winning exactly. out but i don't exactly. think that most people are giving it five stars no no i don't think they are and and there's several reasons for that one point that i'm just gonna i'm just gonna knock it out right here it never ends oh my gosh it is a, it is a long movie when when kylo ren killed admiral snow emperor vice supreme leader supreme, supreme leader, leader snoke i thought the movie was over i figured maybe 10 15 more minutes i looked at my phone i'm like wait a minute i've only been here for an hour and 10 minutes like yes this is, this is not correct you you still have the entire battle of crate left to happen oh my god well and i figured they were gonna get there they were gonna set up shop roll credits and, yeah. and it would be the start of the next movie nope we're going to keep going. See, and that's the thing, though, is that I we went through, and so part of what we do with our channel is, like, deeply analyze every uh, trailer that comes out. So I knew that we hadn't yet seen this entire battle scene uh, with with the white planet, with the red. Yeah, you know, that was the only way I knew that something was still coming is because I, and I forgot about this till, till, till right then, until it happened. I was like, oh, we didn't get the thing with the blood dust. Right, right. The blood, speaking of, we, we can talk about it more in depth, but when the guy tastes the the substance and says, it's salt, who on earth tastes, like, the soil of a planet? 
there that's just a it's a movie trope man it's yeah. a movie trope that they just like there's something strange taste it taste it man well why not why not, I, why not? when I, I literally have it in my notes in like the 40 pages i took here on my second pass uh, i was like well that was a weird thing to do but yeah. maybe it's more common than i realize there's i mean i would agree that like, you know i'm not gonna lick a desert no yeah me either like there are many situations where you're trying to figure out plant life and whatever but he's just like why why would you do that it's so it's so it turns red great there's not a whole huge problem there um i can i mean it's it's a strange choice for you know a planet to be like that uh but it other than that i mean it's you know nothing really important it didn't right. it, ne- it never there was never like a oh let's bring it back to this being salt <laughs> right 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 no i think really what it boiled down to is they just wanted to make a really beautiful scene and get as much red imagery in there as oh for possible. sure for sure and that's the thing why i love this movie especially but the last two movies is because they've hearkened back to the fact that it can be this overdramatic grandiose movie it doesn't have to take itself too seriously exactly no and, and that's the thing i think this this movie is so interesting and, and one of the things that i noticed on the first pass of it that i had such a mixed reaction to was just how comedic it went like it's it's a very funny movie oh yeah um but you know and, and i think on the first pass i was like did they overdo that a little bit was it was it too much and no because and that's how the originals were is the thing it's like you don't you fail to remember that because you remember luke i am your father you remember the battle sequences you don't remember the quips going on between han and leia oh yeah yeah like uh gosh what is he like a nerf herder is that yeah she... yeah. yeah exactly they're they're just ragging on each other the whole time right yeah scruffy looking nerf herder i think is what it is. Yeah. no you're absolutely right so it's just really really bad insults um but if if it were not for that that comedic backdrop to this movie it would have been intense oh it would have been it would have been two and a half it would have been the dark knight right it, you're exactly right yeah it would have been it would have been really like because um, it still would have been a great movie but it would have been that intense action movie that felt like two movies like you never got a break right right so no i was uh that was that was something that i i was a little bit unsure about um even even kind of like starting with that that intro of luke um and, and tell me what you thought about this but when uh when we first meet or see ray and luke on um octu she hands him the lightsaber he holds it and throws it over his shoulder throws it, throws it over shoulder i i i actually physically laughed out loud in the theater did you really oh my gosh i did I fit, well, first of all, let me let me explain this. I saw this Friday morning at the the what is it an AMC now behind Tanglewood Mall? Yes, yeah, in Roanoke, the theater that Ty and I referred to many times in our first few episodes. Uh, and, and it's just it's it's it was ten thirty in the morning. It's a horrendous theater. I had just come from visiting your girlfriend at the bridal shop. Oh, and that's perfect. There were six people. In the no theater. way, because we were seeing it at ten thirty at Valley View, and yeah. the place was packed. Oh yeah, and I was like, I'm not going to Valley View. I know Valley View is more comfortable; it's a better theater. But I, I you know, I'm gonna have to have my like my phone out and and make a couple notes on this. Like, I don't want to be that guy. And um, so I was just, I'm gonna go sit in the back of Tanglewood, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy it from there. And I, I walked in, and I was the theater was empty. I was like, is this the right place? I walked back out. I looked at the thing, and I was like, is this the right theater? And the woman's like, yeah, we just haven't sold a lot of tickets this morning. And it's, it's, it was opening day. Yeah. Well, so I we we saw it on Thursday night at seven, and then again on Friday morning at, at 10.30 in the morning and we had a full theater where we were and I, I normally take notes or sometimes I take notes on my phone this time I was handwriting them so that I wasn't bothering people because I was afraid of that but no so I physically laughed out loud I mean it was just it was such a because the, the first few minutes of the movie were so intense 
and it was just like a nice quick gig. Yeah, no, it, it it absolutely was. I mean, it was it was a good like toss of the lightheartedness. But the the one thing that I'll that I'll say about it um, is we had heard rumor um, that J.J. Abrams, who directed The Force Awakens, had made a comment that Mark Hamill would win an Academy Award. Right. His role. I heard the same thing. And you know, like, so we see Luke, and the what I'll say about that moment. And and again, I was watching so much footage trying to you know predict as much as we could before we saw the movie. Um, I saw Mark Hamill more than I saw Luke in that moment. Like, if you know Mark Hamill at all, he is like the goofiest dude on the planet. He's always laughing. Right. He's always being sarcastic. Um, so there was there was that moment that that it kind of like I had this uh, suspension of disbelief problem where I was like, ah, I can kind of see Mark Hamill there, even though I thought it was funny. And and I would say that I, that's my only air quote complaint about this movie because I have so few. Right, is that I think. I think Luke in some play, I think Mark Hamill almost underacted the part in some places. Yes, yeah. And so the the other location that I saw it was actually uh, towards the end of the film where you have all the uh, at firing at Luke's like one spot and he steps out and like kind of like takes this like one brush on his shoulder. That was... That was another one of those moments that, like, I laughed at. I thought it was a funny, a funny moment. Yeah, but it was a little bit out of character, it, especially it, for that moment. It totally was. Yeah, like we were at the moment of the movie with implication, like the actual climax. Yes. Yeah, and so I, I think that was one where, it, again, it was like I, I liked it and I'm okay with the humor, but I was a little, I think I was a little like. Eh, uh, you know that they could have they could have done that differently but well so part of that i think is born out of the fact that like you said mark hamill is is mark hamill at this point yes and and part of that is due to the fact that he kind of disappeared after the star wars movies right right yeah he kind of went off the grid for a while and he came back much older right well, uh and, and nobody really seen it so now it's hard to and he doesn't he doesn't look all that similar especially with the beard right and so it's kind of hard to see him as luke sometimes and not just as mark hamill and that's that's something that's kind of lost um it, but also i mean the, the biggest complaint people had about the force awakens is that it didn't take enough risks it was sure. too much of a safe movie sure and so this one i don't think was a safe movie at all no, no. But there. That being said, uh, there are a couple of key points, and, and I don't. I don't want to throw off y'all's format for the show. But there are no. A couple there, things. there is no format here. Go for it. Beautiful. Okay. There were two yeah. things that I thought they could have done that they didn't do. Um, the first one is Leia's death. Um, oh. And you and I talked about this in person, or maybe I talked with Jonathan about it. Yeah. So basically, you know, you've got this scene where you see Kylo Ren kind of coming in. He's doing this like man on a mission. Just had a fire lit under him by Snoke. He's blowing up an entire X-Wing hangar, you know, BB-8 and Poe barely survive. Right. And you, you have this moment where he knows that he's aiming directly at his mom and you kind of have him like, you watch him pull off of the trigger and then two of his henchmen kind of go in and like blow up the space or whatever. Right. Um, they have Leia basically just sucked out into space and it's, it's this moment where in my mind I was like, whoa, like they- I was like, this went- is amazing. Yeah, I was like, they went for it. And it worked on like six different, like I, in the moment before I realized that she wasn't dead, I was like, I appreciate this so much. Like this was so well executed. It was like, it was a little gritty. It was a little aggressive. But, it was early. Um, and it was early. It was early. Um, but it would also kind of add to like the complexity that is Kylo Ren's like allegiance because- you see him and he's killed his father and he's in this position to kill his mother and he doesn't. And then the side he's fighting for proceeds to do it. And, right. and the fact that they like take away this ability for Kylo Ren to, to kind of like 
finish off the deed, it almost solidifies um, like any amount of question that he may have had about whether or not he wanted to kill her w- would be like now in the hands of these henchmen. You know, it's like these, right. the guys it takes that are the choice up. out of his hands. Yes. Yeah. So it, it would it would have allowed for a very um, I think colorful and diverse story arc for Kylo to sort of be struggling with with the way that his mother came to die. Um, and then and then with that, probably my biggest complaint of the entire movie is what we see next with Leia. Um, and you may have to tell me how you feel about this because I might I might like this was like my biggest complaint of the movie. But uh, when we see her just kind of like floating out in space and then like sort of force floating her way right. back and i i I, could, I mean it like i was so upset i was absolutely just because well and and because i knew i know carrie fisher's dead i know carrie fisher's dead she's not coming back she's not going to force reawaken herself to go make the ninth movie right like i was thinking this is a great tie a great way to tie it off great right. way to end the leia story arc and it's the, it would be the tipping point that that he needed to that kylo ren needed to, to force him against snoke part of that that whole situation and they just didn't take that opportunity no and and what's what's weird about that and they do it a little bit with ray as well where we're going into this movie um you you all would know or at least I feel like it was a fair prediction to assume that in each of the first or in each of these movies, we would lose Han, Luke and Leia in, in a movie respectively. Right. Um, and because um, there needs to be a full changing of the guard. Yes. And so I think I think with that, I'm trying to I'm trying to like finish the articulation of this thought. Um, I, I guess it was the fake out. So like you, you've sort of got like, you know, one of them has to go. And right. the fact that they would sort of like lead you to it and then be like, ha, gotcha. And I get why they did it is because we weren't expecting it to be Luke that died. Right, right. Yeah. Cause and, you I, know and I understand every- it. And that payoff helped it a little bit, but it just seems unfair because I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but they haven't filmed any of episode nine yet, have they? The, the, as far as I know, they haven't. Um, and if all I can assume is that they, they have something in mind for either how to use more footage that they have of Leia that they decided not to use in this right. movie and, and kind of find a way to make it work. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm not. But, I mean, I, I know they have a plan. There's no way they don't have a plan, especially with Abrams coming back in to direct the last one, I believe is the, the current yes. situation. Yep, yeah. Abrams, yeah. So, J.J. Abrams has a plan. I, well, 100% certain about that. Yes. <laughs> well, and the, the other time in the movie that they do this kind of like fake out thing on you is when Ray is on the island and she sort of goes into like, I, I think it's kind of like the cave that Luke goes into when he's training with Yoda. Yeah, absolutely. Darth Vader. The, yeah. the parallels are there to be taken between Luke being Yoda and her being Luke. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um and so we see Ray sort of go into this into this space, and there's the the kind of interesting mirroring effect that's happening with her. Um, but you know that what the what the dark side of the force is able to offer her is the answer to this question she's always had, like who are her parents? And of course, us the viewers are all like, who are her parents? Can, can you please tell us? Yeah, and so there's there's this moment where, you know, she walks up to, I don't know if it was supposed to be ice or, like, a mirror or glass or something, but um, you see, like, the two figures kind of coming forward, and, like, my pulse was blasting out of my head. Oh, yeah. You know, I was like, we're going to find out. This is going to be so cool. Mirror of Irised situation, you know, where they t- tells her who her parents are. She's deep in the dark side now. like, And, and then it, it just didn't happen. Right. And then it was like, nope, it's just, just a reflection of you looking looking back at yourself. And it was like... But, and th- it is kind of brilliant though because she gets to see. So you, you think that she knows. 
just I think she knows. Okay. I think she knows the truth, and I think it's not the truth that, that Kylo's trying to tell her. Okay, so that was going to be my next question then. So, so Oh, you, no, there's no way her parents are nobodies. Yeah, you don't no, think so? No chance. So, no chance. I, I think that that is going to be, like, the biggest question that, that Jay and I have to take a ton of time to decide exactly how we feel about. Because right. our big thing coming into this particular movie was, if it's not Luke, does it really matter who her parents are. Like, who else could it be where it would be, like, rewarding to know? And I don't know. I mean, I know she's been listed as Rey Kenobi in some some form, but I, I, I you know, I don't know if I necessarily buy into that. Until it's confirmed, I'm not buying into it. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... I, I've, I've delved into that theory before and I feel like all it really rests on and I'm sure that there will be viewers at home that that know a little bit more um, about that particular theory because it's it's not one that I've, I've heavily bought into but I think what it largely rests on is uh, during Ray's force vision when she first touches Luke's lightsaber in Maz's castle you can hear uh, both uh, Ewan McGregor and Sir Alec Guinness the, the two people who, two, who two actors play Obi-Wan who, yeah, who played Obi-Wan kind of speaking to her but on that note um I, I this would be my opinion is basically that kenobis have always mentored skywalkers right. so for for the his voice to come through there is in my mind because kenobis mentor skywalkers but yeah no that absolutely makes sense and and i don't i don't know who they are i don't know what the story is going to be maybe it'll be luke i i I truly think it will be i see you know we we were like really feeling like maybe it just maybe it just isn't because luke really doesn't know who ray is like she's a little bit I think it's really like one of the things that piques his curiosity ultimately is just like he he walks into the the tree where all the original Jedi uh, books are and he's just like who are you like yeah he he doesn't have a clue if if it's his daughter he doesn't know he has a daughter yeah and I guess that would be you know as long as as long as there have been parallels to the original trilogy Vader didn't know he had a daughter either yeah he had no clue he knew about Luke. He knew about Luke, uh, but, you know, he, he didn't know about that. So there's there's no way that Luke knows. And to give him a, a love story or, or like, a, a female counterpart, it would be such, such a huge burden in the episode nine to try to figure out how to explain her. You're probably her. not wrong. Yeah. yeah. I don't think, I just don't, I don't believe they would have written it out like that is the thing. They would have written out her, her lineage. Just like, oh, they were junkers. Sure. It well, just seems it seems un. Here, I don't know what I'm looking for here. Here is here's the theory I would go back to, and I, I've had it before, and I feel like most people don't buy into it. I don't know if I'm just crazy or, or hopeful. Okay. Um, but Anakin Skywalker was essentially born of the Force to Shmi. You know, right? Like, he doesn't right. he doesn't have a father. Basically, the Force created him. Um, and Shmi was a slave. You know, like she was not anybody of major significance. She didn't have a whole lot of power over her own life. Um, In the event that Ray's parents were junkers, it it could fit that mold. And that was going to be my next, not suggestion, but the next thing I posited that that it was that similar situation because clearly she is more powerful than anyone. And that's the thing, too, is that like... um, you know, you don't see it as much. You see a little bit in Rogue One. Darth Vader or Anakin Skywalker is what, I mean, he may be the most powerful character in terms of like force sensitivity that we've ever seen. The yeah. only reason why Luke was able to defeat him is because he was able to basically tap into the, the last fragment of heart that the man had left in him. Yeah. Um, 
So I think you see a little bit of it where, you know, Luke basically, Ben Solo, of course, has the Skywalker blood in him from Leia. So Ben has the ability to have that super powerful bloodline to the man who was created by the Force. Um, and when, when Luke says, you know, I've only seen this kind of power once before, it didn't scare me enough then, it does now. He's referring, of course, to Ben Solo and um, for well, Rey to, to have that power. If if they're going to give her some type of backstory, to me, that is one that would make sense. Right, that she was born of born of the Force. Yeah, like and I, and and c- come again to bring balance to the Force. Exactly, because that and, was what Anakin's destiny. And I mean, I guess he pulled that off. He, yeah, you know, I, and, and somebody had pointed that out to me before, and I never really thought of it in such a simple way before. But he does kill off almost all of the Jedi, and he does kill off the Sith, and then and Luke, he leaves, Luke, he leaves Luke and Obi Wan. Right. Um, Two and, Sith and two Jedi. Right, right. So yeah, I mean that's that's definitely a thing that I think you can work with there is that that, that she is is the creation of the Force to resurrect this balance. Yes, and and the other thing is is that I guess depending on on the exact number of years, um, and and this may be information that's known, and I I could be speaking out of nowhere right now, but it would even be possible that upon Anakin Skywalker's death would be the moment when the force would then re-manifest itself in, in a new, um, in, in essentially a new person, i.e. Ray. Well, I definitely think that's possible because a Ray doesn't, she shouldn't have a backstory. She shouldn't have an age. Right. Right. And there, there's actually a little bit more that, uh, Snoke kind of offers in the way of credence to this idea. And he, he says something in his chamber room to Kylo Ren to the tune of, I knew as your power, Kylo Ren, I knew as it grew, there would be the equal and opposite that arrived. So the thing that Snoke seems to be aware of in terms of of the Force that maybe even like um, Darth Sidious or Emperor Palpatine was less aware of uh, is is kind of this concept that the the Force wants to balance itself. Yeah, like it it wants there to be equal and opposite. Um, and in in our review today, one of the points we brought up is that if the Sith had even figured some version of that out, the the Sith live by a rule of of two. So there can only ever be the master and the apprentice. Um, they rose up at the peak of the Jedi uh, power, which we find out about, you know, at least specifically referred to from Luke. If if you have the all powerful Jedi Council, where you have X number of Jedi masters and there are only two Sith and the force requires balance. Those two Sith as individuals are 10 times more powerful. Yeah, if- stronger than any Jedi. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's not the dark side of the force is more powerful. It's that it only, it's only manifesting inside of two people at a time. Right. Is it, it chooses two hosts because there, there is, you know, only one force. It is the energy that's it's exists in the between. It ties everything together. Right. And it, you know, is the, is the glue that kind of holds the universe together. So it can be in as many people or as few people as it wants to be. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's that's definitely an interesting one. Now, to to branch off for just a second, uh, you you mentioned Supreme Leader Snoke. Now, this is something that's gotten a lot of people heated. Is that they they the biggest thing coming out of the Force Awakens, other than who are Ray's parents, is who in God's green earth is is, is Supreme Snoke. Leader Snoke? Yeah, like. The, the big issue with Snoke is that he is clearly very, very old. And if he is so powerful, it begs the question, where was he during everything else? Right. Well, any but the thing is, if you agree with the two people to the Sith thing, he couldn't have existed. 
Well, and that's he where he couldn't have been a Sith. He, he couldn't necessarily have been a Sith. It's there. There's the the strongest theory that would suggest if if he was a Sith would be that he's Darth Plagueis, which would have been Darth Sidious, Darth Sidious's master. And you heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. Right. And and of course, the rumor would be that Darth Plagueis created Anakin Skywalker because he was able to he was the only one who had ever been able to actually create life and prevent death. And and to, to kind of manipulate the force in a way that nobody else has. And you saw that in in this movie a little bit with Snow and that he was able to bridge this gap that to literally create a, a bridge between the minds of Rey and, and Kylo Ren. Yes, yeah, the movie, and it's it's interesting because at multiple different moments they refer to um, the physical um, endeavor that is using the Force in such a massive way. Like, you see Luke at the end is clearly using every ounce right, of it, concentration. It ends his life. Right, essentially. Um, and Kylo, I think, refers to um, to Rey when their minds join. He's like, you couldn't possibly be, be merging our minds, the the pressure alone yeah the effort would kill you yeah and you see snoke just so simply manipulating everything around him like there is even off or there's even reason to give ray a significant amount of credit towards like her force ability like she's clearly very powerful and snoke snoke throws her around like a rag doll like right. his his mastery of the force is so far beyond that of Kylo Ren. Any, anything we've seen. Yes, yeah. So then the big question, because of course we don't get an answer to his origins, and, and I have no clue if we ever I, if, I I seriously doubt we will. Yeah, like I don't know why they would go back to it at this point. No. Um so the the big question or the the only theory that I have left uh for it would be that prior to the existence of the Sith. Uh, about a thousand years ago. And we do have characters in Yoda and Maz um, who have both lived at, at least a thousand years or, or thereabouts. Um, but prior to turning to the Sith, those who turned away from the Jedi religion in the early days in the older public became what was referred to as a fallen Jedi. And so... So it sees, or it, you could see that he he may exist as this life form that is is not a Sith until he has to be. It, exactly, exactly. And, and he may even still not have to be a Sith. It, it could just be the case that he was um, somebody with a significant mastery of the Force and... Um, this this is going to Yoda can come back and do whatever he needs to do apparently as he can light a tree on fire yeah I was a little unsure about that so the force ghosts I like as a concept so and of course we've seen Obi-Wan come back in the same way um and technically Qui-Gon and Jin can also come back in this way um but I have a very very strong feeling we will never see him come back as a character in, in the film. Right. Well, I, I, yeah, so I have, I have two thoughts on this. For one, I was not a huge fan of Yoda being able to uh, use the Force as a Force ghost. I thought that was a little, like, uh you know, like, I, I think what they really offer is more of, like, a bank of knowledge that they can still give to those who are living. Right. But if you, if you can do things as a Force ghost, are you even dead? Like, why well, not just have Yoda go into battle? And that's one argument you can make. And, but, but I think the other argument you can make here is that, I mean, Yoda didn't do it. He Luke Luke did it through Yoda. Okay, that's a thought. Uh, so not not necessarily like through him, like he manipulated him, but he he kind of did it without realizing it necessarily. That so he, he put it on himself. Sure. Well, because in that moment, there's actually a couple of really interesting details about that moment. Um, you you see Luke 
sort of like come down there with the intent on his own to destroy the tree and then yoda interrupts him and basically is like ha beat you do it you know blah 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 and then of course luke is like hey the sacred texts were in there um of course, at this point in time, Luke doesn't know that the sacred texts are not still there. Yeah, first of all, on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. So I think I think that's where I would say I think I think Yoda knows that they're on the Millennium Falcon. Oh, absolutely. And so I think absolutely he absolutely knows that. I think he destroys the tree because he's like, Luke thinks they're destroyed. You know, like um, Right. So give give Luke what he wants, what he needs to feel free. Exactly. Exactly. Like he doesn't. He doesn't have to guard it anymore. Right. Or whatever he was doing there. Right. And yeah. So I, I think I think that's that's sort of what went down there. So my my opinion or my guess would be that um, that Yoda is the one who is actually like doing the action, manipulating force, whatever to to actually uh, to lightning bolt the tree or whatever. But I think sure. I think the other thing about Force Ghosts and in the way that we've seen Yoda and Obi Wan and now Luke go down is that I think there's a very very strong possibility that we still see. Um, Luke come back as a force ghost in episode nine. I would, I probably would be willing to put money on it at this point. Yeah. Um, um, I, I, just, I, I, I can't see a future for Ray in which she doesn't need that one moment of enlightenment. Uh, yeah. Of guidance of, of some sort. And, you know, she, she doesn't know Yoda. She doesn't know Obi-Wan. She needs, she needs that. Yeah. A face um, that she can trust. For exactly. lack of a better word. Um, so on, on that note, let me hop back actually, um, okay. to the idea of, of Leia's death and, um, and refer or talk just a little bit about, um, Holdo. The- I was, yeah, I was going to say, we should mention the other opportunity they had to kill Leia off in a very neat way. They just didn't take it. Yes. Okay. So like, this is mind blowing to me. Like they've got... They have such, such a wonderful actress who, in my personal opinion, did a fantastic job of, um, of, you know, portraying like, uh, like a new, a new face of the rebellion, if you will. Like, oh, uh, Admiral Holdo, Laura Dern? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So like, you clearly have someone here who has like learned under the mentorship of Princess Leia. You have this moment where, you know, like Holdo decides to sacrifice herself instead of right for the for the elder to move on it's like if obi-wan had died instead of qui-gon right or or if luke had sacrificed himself instead of obi-wan like yeah it it, we've seen it so many times and i guess it's probably what they were going for the way they originally shot it is like oh we're gonna turn it on you because we've done this six times now and somebody's caught on and right right yeah so that was uh, that was it just seems like they missed several opportunities to just tie it off neatly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, what else would have done better than this idea of... Because come the end of this movie, there is only enough of the Resistance left to where all of them can fit inside of the Millennium Falcon, right? right. Like, you're talking about the smallest group of remaining individuals. Yeah, we sent for our allies and they didn't come. Right, exactly. So it's it's not to say that there aren't other people in the galaxy that they could still rally, but like if we're being totally honest with ourselves, we're we're really starting to fight an uphill battle. Um yeah. I, I just feel like there would have been so much to be said. And and again go back to Obi-Wan, like he's so much more powerful dead than alive. So is so is true for Leia. She should have been the one, and, and even the idea of like coming up with the idea of using light speed to slash the ship in half. Um, I, I mean, it makes me love Holdo. Um, oh, I mean, it was great fitting but it it had no it wasn't necessary it easily could have been leia she didn't really have a part in the rest of the movie 
Right. Right. Particularly. And and I guess maybe they just wanted to have that last little moment where, where Luke and Leia can be on screen together. That would be, I guess, the best of my ability. Why, why I they mean, would have... He could have come and visited her before she did the thing. Mm-hmm. Easily. Because yeah. since he's just projecting himself from, what is it, Octu? Octu, yeah. Octu, yeah. Anyway, he never left the planet. Right, right. Uh, yeah, know, so I think he, easily... he can be he, clearly he can he can just do whatever he wants there. He can easily come visit her. Could have had that moment still. It was just I get they would have had to reshoot a lot of things and, and maybe pull some some tricky CGI. But they, I mean, if they could bring back Moff Tarkin, they can probably figure it out. <laughs> that is very true. That is very true. And and I was I'm I'm very curious to see you know like maybe maybe they're hinging a little bit on on the technology getting better and better going into episode nine. Um, you know it it could very well be the case that we have a plenty of Leia left to see. Uh, I I can't imagine she lives past the first thirty minutes. I would be shocked. I would, I be, would shocked. be shocked. Yeah, um, absolutely. So um, let's let's dive into a couple of other things really quick. So I know another another scene or like an entire story arc for that matter in, in this movie that I felt was a little lucrative um, was the entire trip to the casino. Like this this scene must be like twenty five minutes long. It's yeah. It it offers a lot of like really cool stuff. Like uh, DJ uh, portrayed by Benicio del Toro. Um, I loved him. It was. It I was loved it. Of, I loved it. Yeah, it was one of my favorite performances of the movie. He, you know, he, he kind of had this like, um, like the stutter that was like a little bit in and out. Uh, yeah. He, his perspective on everything was was fascinating. So well, he reminded me a lot of that certain side of Han. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he's kind of like a scoundrel that, like, you know, only is, cares about the money. Right. Quotes. Yes. Only cares about the money. Only cares about the money. But he, he also seems to have like such a such a strong um like I guess maybe it's like his his detachment from everything allows him to have a better perspective on the whole. And and I don't know if many people caught this or not, but DJ stands for don't join. That's that's why they that's why they never refer to him by name, but they like IMDB listen as DJ, and that's that's right. actually what it stands for is don't join. Gotcha. Um, but one of my favorite moments with him is they're on this, you know, ship that he stole and uh, Finn and Rose are all up in arms because they are on, you know, the ship of these people who created uh, weapons for the Empire. And right, they think that arms dealing only goes one way. Exactly, exactly. And, and this movie hits on this theme of, like, nobody is exclusively good or bad. Like, yeah. those are terms that we make up because both sides think they're the good guys, and both sides think the other people are the bad guys. Exactly. It's it's all a matter of perspective. So when he when he's flipping through, like, the little holograms, and you see, um, like, TIE Fighter, TIE Fighter, you know, whatever, and then, and then an X-Wing pilot pops up it's like oh man yeah that was that was a great reveal moment a great gotcha moment yeah yeah I because thought... i mean all finn has ever known is evil he didn't even have a name mm-hmm. all he's known well again evil but he, he's known the first order that's it he's a first order stormtrooper that's that's it right right yeah and uh, man finn is finn is an interesting character um where it it baffles me a little bit just how much he knows. Um, like they're trying to get onto the first order ship in order to like disengage the relay that allows for them to continue to track the um, the resistance fleet. And like we know that Finn worked in sanitation under the first order, and 
as a result, you know, may have his own unique perspective on how things worked. But the fact that he, I think they even say in the movie, like, I used to mop the floor of the room that it's in. I know exactly where I'm going. It's like, right. They're giving this character way, way, way too much information. Yeah, inside info. Right, like to what he would realistically have. Like it, it only makes me think, other than the fact that you you see his his emotional breakdown um, in his first battle on on Jakku. Um, it's like, how could he pop? Like he almost has to be a du- like. I'm not suggesting this. This is not a theory, but like it's you would almost think he has to be a double agent who is much. I higher. I could see it. I could honestly see it. Because just how else does it make sense that even even in The Force Awakens, he knows exactly where, you know, in that movie, the core that they need to destroy is, you know, in Starkiller Base. Starkiller right. Base is the size of a planet. Right, and you know where the one specific... Also, they, I don't think he ever worked on Starkiller Base. Right. right. Well, I, I think they may suggest that he... That I, they may suggest that he had, I don't know to what extent the... the uh, the yeah. stormtroopers would have involvement in, in every single imperial, or not imperial, uh, you know, first order project that's going down. Yeah, you would think that they probably have a pretty big sanitation team. Yes, uh, since they are just an unlimited resource. This this would be like me and my ability to tell you where a grocery store in South Africa is. Exactly. Exactly. It's, well, it's, it, no, it not even a grocery store on Mars. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like yeah. so. They 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 annoyed me a little bit with with like kind of the knowledge that they that they give him and and I think the whole point of the entire mission that they take to the casino um it, it's it's a bad idea and I think even as a viewer you're supposed to be able to recognize it was a bad idea it was a horrible idea like it was never going to work we're talking about 6 hours to go from one ship in the middle of nowhere space to another planet to hope that this code breaker is just so happens to be at a casino one night be able to convince him to come with you back into the middle of space where you're going to break into another ship, get to this... A First Order ship full of stormtroopers. Right, yeah. Su- successfully navigate your, t- your your way to the place you shouldn't even know where it is to begin with. Turn off something where it would give you a six-minute window before they even realized anything had happened for the others to jump to light speed, in which time you would still need to get back to that ship. Right. And you'd have to get back, which I don't think, I don't honestly think... That they had intentions of getting back on the other ship. Sure, sure. That that's completely fair. Maybe, maybe it was just. I, like I a, believe that it was led to believe, or it was meant to be a suicide mission. Sure, like it, it was. It was like uh, a valiant effort. Um, and I'm I'm so or, glad. or they would simply escape to light speed in the ship they got there in. I I don't I don't know the answer to that, but there was no no physical possible way they were getting back on board that first order cruiser or not or the, the resistance cruiser yeah. in six minutes. Right, right, right no right. possible way. Not not gonna happen. Um, not gonna happen. But I'm I'm so glad that you used the word suicide mission. So we get down onto onto crate, which is again the salt planet, and there's the scene where we see um, I think they call it like a some type of laser cannon battering ram. Yeah, it was a it said it was a battering ram cannon. Yes, yeah. Um, the scene where you have all of the, all of like the cru- cruisers come out with like the little monopod ski and they're all camping up the red. When Finn makes the decision, this is again a moment in this movie where I thought they could have been more bold. Um, you know, Finn basically knows he can't shoot the battering ram, but he can run straight in. It, for me, I would have been, and it's not that I dislike the character of Finn, but I would have been perfectly 100% okay with him having made that sacrifice 
in order to save. Oh, interesting that you went that way with it. I was 100% certain at that moment that Rose was going to swoop in and fly into it. Really? Oh, you, you thought Rose? 100%. You thought 100%, Rose? 100% thought Rose was going to do it. Oh, man. Because uh, I didn't think there was any way they were going to let Finn go at that point. Well, it would have it would have been very surprising. Like, I mean, it would have been like a holy crap. But it uh, would have been one of those Rogue One moments where, you know, the Force is one with me. But she could have just hopped in there and and taken care, care of it. Right, right, right. And instead, that, she, she just, just knocks him out of the way. I thought that was very interesting. It, it, it was an interesting call. There was, I mean, and there was a lot going on there. And I, I guess you could look at it from two different, two different perspectives. One would be if either of them sacrificed themselves, you probably could have destroyed the battering ram, but it still wouldn't have saved the day. Right. Um, it would. It wouldn't have done all that much. Right. So it's like, can, can you kill such key characters? For the sole purpose of of buying an extra fifteen minutes of time for everybody else. No, right, and and so well, and that was the whole issue they had with fit, with uh, Poe, is that he continuously tried to do that. Right, right, yeah, was no. to put himself so far in the line as to buy himself five minutes. Right, right, yeah. Well, oh, gosh, Poe, Poe, Poe had a pretty good story arc in this movie though, where he, you know, he starts as this like total. Uh, oh, what what do they say? Get your head out of your cockpit. I, yeah. I thought that was hysterical. He's uh, a, he's a, they call him Flyboy. He's just another pilot. Right, right. And I, I thought, I think I was almost slightly offended on Poe's behalf a couple of times because I was like, okay, Poe is not your average pilot. <laughs> like, Right. This, this it's like guy. if they had treated Luke like that after he blew up the Death Star. Right, right. Um, and I, I actually love, 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 love the way that they, they keep doing a really good job, and they did it in The Force Awakens too, of just showing you how much better of a pilot that Poe is than just everyone else. Oh my god, that first scene when he turns the the, the X-Wing around on like a dime and, and starts flying back the other direction toward the cannons. Yes! Oh, oh. my god. I, yeah, I got chills. I got chills. That was that was a moment that I described as like they were acting for the people in the back seats where it was almost like, you know, you see him take this like really big, like, you know, rip of the joystick, whatever you got an X-Wing with. Um, right. And the whole thing just like rips around. It's like, I, I mean, it was nothing short of just badass. Well, and that, and they, and you have to at some point in these movies act for the people in the back seats because that's the way the original trilogy was. Yes, yes, extremely true. It's to cover up for the fact they didn't have the technology, they didn't have all this stuff. Is they were making it with cheesy wipe cuts across the side of the movie, and you know the acting had to to make up the slack. Right, 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 right. No, for for sure, for sure. So um, I, that felt that felt very Star Wars to me. I thought that was I thought that was super cool. And of course, Poe in in uh, the Force Awakens, he's got that like right initial moment where he's facing off with Kylo, and they have that like who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. And you immediately know he's not just some normal person. He's face to face with the terror of the galaxy and, and, and mocking him. you know mocking him. Yeah, he, right. But so he he does it. And tell me how you felt about it in the beginning of this movie where he gets on the call with General Hux and uh, oh, I was I was dying the whole time where he's pretending not to hear him. Yes, he's like still holding. Are you guys there? Oh my gosh. Oh, and Hux. I love Donald Gleason in this part. He just. He, I thought, was, and I'm going to say guilty for lack of a better word, but guilty of the the acting for the people in the back seats more so than anybody else. Yes. But I loved it. Yeah, is that he was so over the top. He's so yeah. It's it, I mean, it's like it's absurd. Right. Um, whatever. Whatever happened in between, you know, Starkiller base blowing up has apparently gone to his head, and he thinks he's some kind of 
you know, somebody above his station. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Well, I mean, and I, and I guess, like, he, I mean, he is general, so, like, he's, he's not just, like, a, you know, a, a commander of, like, a small legion or whatever. Like, I think he, I think he is in charge, but, I mean, he just gets relentlessly beat on, um, you know, through the whole movie. I feel like he's, they make him the butt end of, like, every single joke. Even down to the end of the movie where they're in uh, Kylo Ren's ship and he wants to, you know, go down to the ground to face off with Skywalker and he just, you know, forces him into the wall or whatever. They get him so bad. But no, you were, you were so correct with, with the way that he acts. And even, and again, The Force Awakens, I, I always think about that, like, Hitler address that he's making. Oh, God, the speech, yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh my gosh, like, what is this guy doing? And that's the thing is, like, I like him more so than I ever liked any of Vader's generals. Sure. sure. Vader's generals never bothered to... You know, mouth off to their. I guess what 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 rank did Vader have in that whole? Kind oh, of... that that could be a video in and of itself. Is like, what on earth was Vader's role in this situation? Right. Well, and, and I have the same question about Kylo because obviously they fill the same shoes. Right. I, I think that they are both like you know, it's like <laughs> Sith and Chief. Like right. Like I don't know. <laughs> head of special ops would be like the 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 thing that I would give him because clearly he has, and Kylo Ren clearly shows that he has power over Hux. But uh, you know, Vader showed that he. Has power all over all of his um underlings i guess his generals and everything and he only listened to darcidius right right and, and i think that's that's exactly what you see with 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 kylo and snoke it's like kylo kylo does not respond to any of any of these other guys it is purely purely snoke that's all that's all he follows oh and i was so glad that that kylo didn't just become a good guy after snoke died oh man you know and what was really interesting the, actually that scene in in snoke's chamber room i can't believe we haven't talked about it yet that was like one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie when oh, it just, uh, i think the best acting adam driver's ever done in his life oh yeah yeah i mean it was it was really cool um even the way that, you know, the Force always seems to give the ability for people to almost see, like, not specifics about the future or past or feelings or anything, just just the general feelings themselves, like the intentions, so... Right, it's just the raw emotion. Right, so, like, he's he's reading Kylo Ren, he, he knows that he is, like, concrete in, like, his decision on what he's gonna do. I mean, he's literally narrating, he's got, you're, you're moving the lightsaber in order to destroy the true enemy here. Right, right. Exactly, and and literally what he's doing is moving the lightsaber right there next to him, slices him right now. I was shocked when they killed Snoke like that. I was like, what? That's I was I was I was absolutely shocked, but it was so good. Oh my gosh, so such a good way to do it. Such a such a great way to do it. Um, and then so the and moment that follows, so you have like the Praetorian guards, and it was it was cool to see them come into action because like the Emperor obviously had his Imperial guards back in in the original series, but you never really see him do anything other than stand in really fancy red coats. Right. And, they sure know. as heck don't take on a couple Jedi. Right. Right. So it was it was cool to see that whole battle scene. I thought that was a really well choreographed scene um, where they show you like Kylo Ren for one at his true power like you know he's like ray is struggling like fighting like one guard and he's, right and, and he takes out the rest of them. yeah he's like fighting three at one time uh but they did a lot of like really cool ways to get them out of dicey situations like when uh like when ray drops the lightsaber out of her hand because she's like held in a weird spot and then drops down and catches it and kills him and then throws it across the room and kylo ren's you know got like the staff up against his neck and he like right and they got this amazing teamwork going on yeah yeah because they're in each other's head at that point um, and I love these scenes because you get one of those almost like Ninja Turtle-like scenes where they've they've all got different weapons. 
Like right. different variations of the same weapon. I love those scenes where it's like you see the different fighting styles go into each of them and how they have to combat with that. And it's it was such a cool, really well choreographed scene, really well shot scene. I loved it. Yeah, I, I thought that was I thought that was great. But um, like like you were saying, you were really glad that like Kylo didn't kind of turn to the light side. Um, I think what was what I found really interesting about that was you know he's sort of suggesting to Ray this idea of like we need to just let everything burn to the ground. Snow Start is going. Um, the like the resistance is in you know there are like embers at best left it's almost like let everything die and then like let's step forward as as like a new vision as the new leadership i i personally entirely wrong what's that they're not almost they're almost not entirely wrong yeah i was gonna say like in the movie i'm sitting there i'm like i don't mind this plan like this this isn't somebody on a high horse saying like light is good dark is bad blah 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 you know it's like it, it seemed like the the best understanding of how a blend of both characteristics is really what you need and and maybe you've got Kylo who's seventy five percent dark and twenty five percent light, and Ray the opposite. The you know, opposite, yeah, the the inverse, and they can rule together. And it was this very clear like run away with me, Ray. We'll start over kind of moment. And I it was it, I'm glad she didn't take it. I think it's you know it was too soon for that kind of thing to happen. Yes, yeah. Um, I mean, it would have been the the only way for that to happen would have been for you would have needed the new protagonist. For right. Episode for sure. That for sure. Well, and that's the thing is like Finn, Finn and the Resistance were never going to buy into it. Right. Regardless. Um, but I mean, you can't, you can't have Rey and Kylo Ren versus Finn. Not going to end well. The, there's Finn. no way to, to do that. That's, that's taking, you know, good characters against good characters. And yeah. You well, would... and you just, you have to have a jet on each side or it's, you know, a clearly a one-sided fight. Yeah, yo, no, for for sure. Yeah, they're, no, they're they're never gonna overcome that. Um, so yeah, that was that was something that that I could have I could have jived with, even though it would have been very difficult for um, well if, for a ninth movie to happen for starters and. Yes. Yeah. And I, I really don't know where we're going with the ninth movie, and I know that's kind of your domain. There is to to spend the next two years figuring out where the ninth movie is going. Oh my gosh, I know, and it's it right now. It seems like it's just a complete and utter enigma. Like all, all I know is that obviously, I think, I think we'll fast forward not not twenty something years. I think we would fast forward in time enough to where the resistance would have to be. Yeah, because you're not going to take them all with seven people. No, no. So it's it's going to have to be back in a place where you know they're they're able to to stand so, a chance. What what I think Star Wars, especially the whole franchise but these last two movies has never given us enough of a reason and there's always been something that's kind of stuck with me is like why don't we like the first order what what exactly do they do okay so and i i think they were they were trying to suggest some of this i mean for one and i think this goes back to the empire a little bit too they they lead through fear so, like, when they had Starkiller Base, they effectively were attempting to control the galaxy by making everybody so afraid that if they didn't fall in line with them, that they would blow up their planet. Um, well, the Death Star was the same way. And the Death Star was the same way. And, and I guess really Starkiller Base wasn't just your planet, it was, like, your entire solar system. Um, so... But I, I guess the prequels kind of ruined that for me because you see, truthfully, how flawed the, the Republic was, the Galactic Senate. Well, and, and that, I, I would argue, is like the, the major, major theme of this movie is that it, 
is that, you know, the dark is not, you know, the, the first order is not good. And really the resistance isn't that good. Well, and, and it was never that like, they were never particularly good people in the, in the rebellion in the first place. Right. They weren't, they, I mean, they were, you know, it was literally terrorists right. for lack of a better word. Like they are going against the established government in, in an aggressive, violent manner. Right. Right. And, and I mean, even you see it in Rogue One with, uh, with Cassian, you know, who, who's kind of struggling with some of the demons that he's, that he's inflicted um, through a course of, of being with with the rebellion, sure. not, you know, where he's like, I've I've done a lot of things. I mean, I've been a spy, I've been an assassin, I've uh, like I've I've had to make these decisions on behalf of of you know the greater good. That's a that's a slippery slippery slope. And that's the whole thing is is you know who who at the end is going to stand you know completely victorious. Well, I have no idea. I don't know if it's going to end with the next one. I don't know if there's going to be another three. I, I couldn't tell you. So you have a Star Wars story, which is like what Rogue One is, which is what Solo is. Yeah. Uh, and then you have episodes, which is like what the Force Awakens and the Last Jedi are. So yeah. um, I think. So you think nine will be the last episode? I think nine will be the last episode. And, uh, well, I think nine will be the last episode oh, with, yeah, the Skywalker. Um, I think there will be future episodes and trilogies that, that bring a spotlight to all new characters, all new problems. It could be the old Republic. Like you could be going back in time. So what we might be seeing is more to do with like young Yoda, early origins of. Oh, I'm, I'm certain that will be the case, at least for some of them. Yeah. It'll, it'll tell the backstories behind the Republic because theoretically. Theoretically, if you're going to end the series, you're going to end it on a very firm note one way or the other. Either either good is going to win or bad is going to win. My shot in the dark expectation um, would be that either Kylo Ren will die turning to the dark side or to the light side, or we will see him turn to the light side. Um, and I, and I, I don't know what direction we'll see it go. Like, you know, it could be very Darth Vader where he, you know, where he sacrifices himself in a way. Um, it, it could be be something to do with force users absolving themselves to the force just the same way that luke did where it's like the stronger any light side gets the more the the force the dark side will will compensate exactly so that's that's really the issue is that like and i think even like in, in avengers they they deal with this exact same problem it's like if you have such a great power you were gonna you were gonna meet opposition of similar power I mean that was that was Age of Ultron to a T. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I, I think it's, it's as fun and unique as the world or the universe of Star Wars is. The, the story at the end of the day is is going to be. Uh, it has to be that simple. Wouldn't it just be great though if if just for once ever in history the bad guys just won? It would be crazy. It would be crazy. Great, but, great. Not in like a it's what I want to happen way, but just in a kind of screw you to the movie industry kind of way. Sure, sure. That that, that wouldn't because it would never happen in one of these big series like. If Harry Potter had just died, <laughs> like at the end of it, it just, he was just dead. Right, like, yeah, yeah, Voldemort lost, but Harry Potter was dead. But Harry Potter was dead. Nope. Yep. That would have been interesting. Oh, that man, been interesting. Just, that's what I was thinking at the end of this movie. I was like, what are they going to do for the next one? What if the First Order just wins? All all I could think would be if, if they somehow got you to understand the side of Kyle yes Red. like it, it would have to come down to to perspective and not, and not to branch off you know too much um from from star wars obviously here but uh the the tv the netflix series daredevil um who have you watched it yes yes okay, okay. um the i can't even think of his name now this is gonna be such a bad analogy the the villain though in, in the first season the big uh, white kingpin kingpin, kingpin. Kingpin, yeah. Uh, you can relate. You can relate with how and why he sees the world the way he does. Like, 
he doesn't seem like someone who just wants power and strength and to watch the world burn. You know, he, he's someone that you're like, oh my gosh, like because of these reasons, this is the why he thinks this is the right way to go. Oh yeah, and to some extent that's Marvel's expertise a lot of times is making you sympathetic with the villain almost. Yes, yes. And w- whenever you can do that, that's when I think you've, you've really nailed. Yeah, when you've won something there. Yeah, the story altogether. No, I mean, so you'll you guys will have a lot of a lot of things to unpack over the next two years until what December twentieth. So uh, December twentieth, two thousand nineteen. Oh, 20, my gosh, yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a beat, and you know I know how much I've dissected. I've probably watched The Force Awakens twenty times in the past two years. So. For sure. So I think it's interesting that the different kind of of and obviously you do this for your job is is why you watch the trailers over and over again and try to unpack everything about them. I avoid the trailers for these things like the plague. Wait. Oh, do you see so you like to go? I I did not see a trailer for the Force or for uh for the Last Jedi until about two weeks ago. Oh my gosh. The first yeah. time. Yeah, uh, I, I never saw a trailer for The Force Awakens. Not once. Okay. I can actually, the only trailer I saw, because when it when The Force Awakens came out, our channel was not in a place where this is what we dissected. Right. And right. so the only trailer that I had seen was this was Finn in the middle of the desert taking off his Stormtrooper helmet. Yeah, so um, the, the three things I knew about, uh, or I guess two two things I knew, were that I knew about Finn, because I knew there was, was a black Stormtrooper who couldn't really breathe very well. Yes, and I knew that there was someone named Kylo Ren. Yep, yep. That, that was that, all I knew about The Force Awakens. I went into it completely blind, and it was so, the most satisfying thing. You are not you are not wrong at all. Um, to just have no idea. Right. And, and I think, you know, it's, it's such a double-edged sword because, like, Jay and I did a video where we went through and we made all of our predictions for The Last Jedi because we had just analyzed it death like you know what will happen with this character what will happen with that character will we meet ray's parents will we know where snow came from um i was actually gonna ask you about that so how how correct were you because i have not watched that video for that specific reason as i didn't i didn't want to hear anybody's opinion on it before i saw it gosh you know i think i was about 50 percent. there was some stuff that i there's some stuff yeah. that we got like nail on the head like for example phasma jay predicted that in some way shape or form um we would see basically her helmet get destroyed and uh, potentially see part of uh, Gwendolyn Christie's face. Um, I, both of us thought that Luke would survive the film and that Leia would not. Um, that was big time because of Carrie Fisher herself. Um, I thought, I, I predicted that we would see Yoda as a force ghost, but not Obi-Wan. Um, okay, you were right there. Yeah, I got, got that one. Um, okay, here's a question for you. Uh, what did you think of the Porgs? I, they were cool. Uh, it was a, it was a little comedic moment. It was one of those comedic relief things that you kind of needed where Chewie was eating the porg and they made him feel guilty about it. Like that was cute. It was adorable. They were just, they were like, they were like Ewoks, but kind of less invasive. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing is that like, again, kind of going back to what we we touched on at the beginning of the, of of the uh, show is sort of the idea that a lot of times people know that something is widely disliked and, um, there is at least a sect of the internet that hated Ewoks that, that, Oh, yeah. That, you know, Return of the Jedi was ruined by them. Um, so I think that there was a lot of discussion going into this movie about whether or not the Porgs were going to be the Ewoks. Uh, both, both of us predicted that they would do good. Uh, yeah, I, I think they handled that one very, very well. And they were just like this cute little thing that kind of happened. And, you know, it was part of the whole like mid part of the movie where it was okay for there to be some funny stuff. Sure. Um, the uh, same with uh, with R2-D2's little cameo. Yeah, yeah. Um, where he, he guilts Luke, Luke into into helping Ray by playing the video. Really? Yeah, I mean, 
R2-D2 sets the entire plot into motion. Like, Ray has not made any progress with Luke, and then R2 is just like, hey, remember that one time you saved the entire galaxy? What if we did that again? Right, and he plays the, plays the little video, tell me Obi-Wan, you're our only hope, and he's like, okay, my turn, I guess. Right, right, right. <sighs> Uh, so here's another question that we had going into it um, that, I, that I got right was, uh, are we going to see the other Knights of Ren? So, of, of course, uh, you know, Kylo Ren is, is the master of the Knights of Ren. Uh, I predicted no. Uh, there were just too many other people to cast for us to see who those characters could be, like who his right hand men are. Wait, so he's the he was the, the Knights of Ren were his people? Yeah. So the Knights of Ren did not exist, um, at least I, in canon prior to uh, Kylo. So I thought the Knights of Ren were the whole group that Luke trained. Well, so a few of his pupils uh, were killed by Kylo Ren when he burned down the temple, and okay. then the others followed him. Okay, so that was the part I missed there. I thought that that's where they got the name Kylo, where, where he got the name Kylo Ren, is that it was his, like, uh, like they, they, they were like his, his Cub Scout troop, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. So, um... We, we still don't know a whole lot about the Knights of Ren, who they are, what they are, what they're capable of, but we know that, I, I believe that the entire faction was something that was created um, with that group of four sensitive pupils, basically, that, that Luke was, was, you know, training. Um, so we maybe we'll still get more history on that. That's another one where, like, there could be a Star Wars story. For sure. sure. In the or, future they'll, or they'll be a part of Episode Nine. Who knows? I mean, they've left that door open. They have. They have. Now, what surprised me about that scene is I was under the impression that Kylo was a lot younger when that happened. True. In that, like, Luke had been on that island for a long time. Right. Um, and it just didn't, it didn't give me that vibe in this movie because, I mean, it was still Adam Driver. He still looked the same. You know, and I, and I think what they were trying to do with that was to... I think they were trying to make him look a little bit younger, like by kind of maybe making his face a little more glossy, a little less imperfect. Um, So I think they were hoping to suggest that, you know, maybe if Kylo Ren is in his 20s, early 20s now, that that may have happened when he was mid-teens um but yeah you're you're right like it's it's not like luke has been gone for years and years and years and years and years and years and years it's it's well i just it wasn't even that i thought that i just i i was under the assumption more that it was like he was more of a child like anakin type age like young anakin right well and they do make that point all throughout star wars they make it with luke and they make it with anakin uh yoda says it about luke he's too old to begin the training and the jedi council says it about anakin he's too old to begin his training and uh both times they've said it i'm like well how are early do you start your training as a Jedi? Like, well, because Anakin was, I mean, maybe, what, 10? Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, like, 9, 10 years old could not have been older than that. I guess, but then, like, the kid that he uh, kills, the little kid that, that flinches when he, you know, asks for, when Anakin pulls out his lightsaber, couldn't have been more than five years old. Oh, yeah, no, that, that kid was, like, a so, wee, wee little kid. Right, so that's what I'm saying, is, like, maybe he, it's, he, I guess it's the same way with the Stormtroopers, like, you're indoctrinated in it for life, like, from the beginning. Right, uh, it's, it's, it's possible. Yeah, but, I mean, maybe not as, as, like, a baby, but, like, a first couple years. Yeah, yeah like, who knows? Whatever the midichlorians say, man. Oh, gosh, don't even say that word. I <laughs> know uh, <laughs> that's a, a big no-no buzzword here. Yeah. Okay. Um, but on, on, okay. on the note of midichlorians, you know, we, we end the movie, The uh, the Last Jedi, with, with seeing this little kid kind of force pull the broom into his hand. Oh, I know. That was so cool. It's, it's, uh, you know, you know we'll, we'll see, see where, where that goes. goes. I yeah. can't imagine they, can't imagine they did that for no reason. No, no, I'm sure not. I'm sure not. And, and my, my assumption is, is that they probably, um, they put that iconic ring that, that Rose gives him, um, 
so that they can cast potentially cast that that kid as a character in a future movie or in episode nine um and and you would identify him by the ring so that would be one way for them to be able to cast a a new person to play that kid grown up but yeah i think you're probably correct about you know we may get an episode nine being four or five years down the line in terms of star wars history yes yeah Yeah. Yeah. well yeah no obviously there's already a release date so right right, right, we we will know in in two years in like two Two days. days I can't even wait. Yeah, I guess there's a leap year in there somewhere. So two day, two years and three days. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's coming out. Uh, well, um, Ethan, I think that's that's probably all of the thoughts I've got rattling around in my head right now. Is there anything else you want to cover? No, I think we we pretty much hit it all in the head. Um, just gonna do a couple wrap up things real quick, and then we'll. I'll have you on your way. Um, so what What would you say? Give me two shining moments from this movie. Oh, geez. Okay, so by far um, the throne room for me when um, when Rey and Kylo go back to back and, and they've both got lightsabers out and it's this moment when, you know, you know, they go to fight the Praetorian Guards. I loved it. Like, even if it didn't mean that they were ultimately on the same side, just to see, you know, like the characters, the new characters all all of a sudden starting to like pioneer the situation a little bit like they're not they're not following luke they're not following snoke like they were exactly on their own in that moment well and you see ray get free for the first time almost of all this stuff i don't know how we didn't talk about this earlier but they they break anakin's lifesaver oh my gosh i know and that is going to be they i think they even end the movies on on a shot of, of her holding the broken lightsaber um i'm i'm deadly curious to see if if for one the kyber crystal dictates the color of the lightsaber what ray's lightsaber is going to look what the hilt will look like what color it'll be um even right even like when she built her own blade instead of the one that was used to kill the jedi the one that was used to to do well to kill darth vader too but well no the one that was used to green one was for darth vader to fight like, darth vader originally yeah he lost that one yeah right? yeah yeah with the hand that was it uh, yeah oh and yeah very very quickly on that note one thing that, that we were wondering it's i need to go back and watch the movie again so i can see what the hilt looks like but when um when luke confronts kylo in in like his little uh, hut there at the jedi temple we were wondering is kylo using luke's original lightsaber there to defend himself because it is blue um and in the force awakens there's a moment when i think finn actually turns on the blue lightsaber in the woods and kylo says that lightsaber belongs to me yeah no i i, I definitely think that was probably uh probably the same one so that'll be yeah. Now, as as to how it ended up in Masconata's basement, I don't know. Yeah, that, yeah. But uh, that's a whole different thing. I thought it was interesting that Luke used a blue lightsaber at the end of this movie. Well, that was you know almost that's even a moment he's using that same lightsaber that that it should have been a tip off to Kylo because he Kylo was just there. He just destroyed that lightsaber. Right. right, and that um, that was something that like made, and I think that was just the purpose of it was to make you kind of think that something's not entirely correct here. Right, and and I so freaking wondered if they were going to show us that green lightsaber again. Um, and all I can assume is that it's just gone. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that I I don't know. He probably had it. You think so? I think he probably had it because he doesn't. Obviously, he didn't like. It wasn't a real lightsaber that was being fought with. It was a, the force projection one. He was sitting on a rock. Right, 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 right. Well, no, it's true. But like, why not bring the green one with him? Well, because I, I, that's the thing is, I don't know. But I didn't bring anything with him. Is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah he's, he's not actually there. Right, he's not actually there. So it's like maybe he was hearkening back to, uh, you know, a time before Vader. I don't, I don't know. Something there. Something he had to bring up to to do that. 
Yeah. But I so definitely that, did, I think there's something to it, but I'm definitely curious to see where they go with Ray's new lightsaber. Yeah, that'll that'll be a keystone piece in a uh, in a theory, I'm sure, at some point in the in the near future. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's gonna be two solid years of speculation over that. Yes, yeah. Okay. So um, one, I, one more shining moment. Give me my other moment. shining moment had to be uh, Holdo uh light speeding through Stokes vessel. Oh um, yeah. You know that, that was a moment of sacrifice. It was it was a sweet moment of sacrifice. I loved her as a character. I thought it was a cool moment. Um, and I, I love the way that it was silent. I know that that's like a weird thing to to maybe even in like appreciate or notice about. No, it, I, I did the same thing. I thought that was so cool. It was just like yes, yes. So I, I personally love that. I don't. I know that there have been some people who have been up in arms about like, oh, now we're just going to see all these ships, you know, light speeding through future Death Stars and Star Destroyers and blah blah. You know, I know that people are. I don't think it would have worked nearly as well with the Death Star. I don't either. I don't either. I think it would have been more like a gnat. I think people are underestimating how big the Death Star was. Right, right, right exactly. Okay, so I'm with that. I'm going to ask you a couple more hard questions here. One one quick one. Okay, go ahead. Where does this fall in the ranking of all the Star Wars movies? <sighs> and if you, I mean, if you want to go ahead and just rank them all real quick, I'd be cool with that as well. Okay, so... You can go bottom up if you need to. Let me, let me start by giving what my list would have been before The Last Jedi. Okay. okay. And that would have gone <clears throat> 7, 5, 4, probably Rogue One... Six and then three, one, two. Okay, I'm really glad you have two at the bottom. Yes, that's the one I'm really concerned about. There is that I really I'm glad you had two at the bottom. I saw a guy yesterday on Facebook whose list went. I think it was two, Rogue One, three, one, six. Yeah, six, five, four, seven, eight. Oh my no. No, no, that no. Two being the best. The Clone Wars being the best. With, like, R2's bizarre, like, rocket... No. Just absolutely not. Oh, my God. So, I, I think, for me, it's going to fall... Up, I think I'm going to put it probably right in front of uh, four. Okay, so that was better than, better, not better than Rogue One. No, better than Rogue One. Better than Rogue One. Better than four, not better than five, six, or seven. No, ju- just not better than, than five or seven right okay yeah, yeah. sorry i, mean, I confused myself no uh, so and, and I'm, I'm still like I, I feel like i'm gonna have to watch it a few more times at the end of the day i i think i fall on the side of of things that i like this movie i know that that's i know that 50 percent of people don't like this movie um so right now you're probably either screaming at you know your your radio in your car however you're listening to this or you're like yes Yes, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I love the new ones because they're everything the old ones were, plus just better writing, better acting, better effects, but still like the same type of effects. You still get the cheesy wipe cuts, you still get the silly blue font. Yeah. You know, you get all the things that make Star Wars Star Wars. The music hasn't changed, but it's just a better version of and and this would harken back a lot to Empire, whereas as The Force Awakens harken back a lot to A New Hope. And right. I don't I don't think that's a problem. No, and it's not. And, and in a lot of ways too, uh this one this one goes back to Return of the Jedi. I mean, you've got almost word for word the scene of of Palpatine talking to, you know, Luke while there's a battle of his team being destroyed right outside the window. You've got Snoke talking to Rey while there's a battle happening right outside the window, and he commands, you know, both of 
you know, both uh, Luke and Rey to, like, you know, fulfill their destiny, like, word for word. So it's it does go back to Empire in ways, but it also goes back to, you know, Return in ways. But I, sure. I also feel like it was its own unique story. For sure. And I, I just, I couldn't be more happy with it, honestly. I, I don't I don't understand the side of the people who are hating on it. And I think there's a lot of people who are upset about a lot of things. And that I think that rating is kind of, of a knee-jerk reaction right now. I think that will increase over time. Yes, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. For sure. I think that the longer it goes on, the more people see it, the more people who aren't, you know, rabid, huge Star Wars fans who are worried about canon, the kind of people who are mad when they kicked out the novels from the canon. Right. Um, when they stop kind of, you know, inflating the rankings there, I think it, it will definitely even out a little bit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know that everybody who saw it the, the first weekend are diehard Star Wars fans. So it's like... Right, right. And, and there's a lot of people who are mad for a lot of reasons. And those reasons are completely valid. I understand them. Yes. Um, but it's just, well, it, it, I think they're being a little bit clouded. Right. And, and I mean, and obviously, if you if you just listen to this whole show, you know that I have my fair share of criticisms of it. Like, it's it's not like I thought it was uh, like a flawless film, but I, I mean, to to put it in the same category of the prequels would be blasphemy to me. Oh, yeah. No, no. Not for a second. I mean, like I said, everybody loved the prequels when they came out. It wasn't, you know, they don't age well, though. No, they, they... God, especially the effects. I mean, I know you watched them last week. I watched one of them yesterday. Who man. Not great. Not great. Do not age well. Do not age well at all. Just a little sidebar. All right, so I got one last question for you, Ben. If you had to put this as a breakfast food. Oh, man. Okay, so I thought about this a lot today. What um, do you got for me? Got? Okay, okay. So what I went with is I think that this movie is a breakfast sampler served by a super, super, super fancy restaurant. Okay. It is extremely well executed in a lot of ways, but there are still lots and lots and lots of people out there who would prefer the version from the Waffle House. And I'm because, completely with that. I understand yes. that completely. And maybe you got something kind of weird on that plate, like a lobster tail. Like a lobster tail, or maybe there was like some turkey chorizo, and it's like, hey, you know what? I need like greasy sausages. Right. I respect what you're doing over there. This is awesome, but it's not necessarily breakfast, and it's definitely not the covered hash browns I wanted. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I, I put a lot of a lot of thought, in because you that told was, me that question was coming this morning. That I was, was like, very well articulated. I'm amazed. Thank you. That was awesome. I'm glad I didn't disappoint. No, 100%. All right. Um, I believe that's all I've got. Wicked, wicked. Well, Ethan, this was an absolute blast. I super appreciate you having me on and just letting me nerd out. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you guys have got, you know, a lot going on. Just real quick, what is what is next for SCB? What are we seeing from Super Carlin Brothers in 2018? Oh my gosh, man. I feel like we have we have so many projects that, that we've talked about doing. Um, right now, Jay just launched his daily vlog, um, Jonathan Carlin Vlogs on YouTube. And I am currently looking at a uh, Canon M5, which would, which would be like my first own personal real, like, significant camera purchase um and there would be some potential for me to be launching my own uh my own own vlog your your own channel my own channel uh that would be i I won't i won't go into too many details uh just yet but that i would say is the thing that's consuming most of my thoughts fair enough so have you been on a podcast before on a podcast yeah yeah um a small handful of them most of the time it's always with jay 
Um, yeah, so this would be it. the first one that I've ever done solo that you've like hosted. Yeah, yeah, wow. a little bit. I, I mean, you're, you're. I think you talked a fair more amount than I did, which is what I wanted out of this because I want. There's a lot of people that that ask for you to come on the show. I'll be honest with you. A lot of our our listeners were saying like, "Hey, get Jay or Ben on here," and so I'm I'm very I'm very grateful for you coming on here and and offering your opinions on a movie that you've clearly done a lot of research on. Oh man, yeah. Well, I tell you what, yeah. This and and I and I hope I, I hope I didn't talk too much, but like this was a movie that like you know I saw. I saw first thing on Thursday night, and and of course those those who are familiar with the situation at all, Jay uh, just had his firstborn baby, and so him and his wife were at the theater with us, and it was like as soon as the movie was over, they had to book it out the door. Uh, so we woke up the next morning, same thing, all things frantic. We get into the theater, we see it. Of fifteen minutes left, Jay gets the call that that Luke can come home from the NICU. Um, and so so he leaves, and once again, I didn't get to talk, you know, to to Jay about it, like in depth and really just dig it apart and have so much fun with it. So today, the first time you guys got to talk about it, like properly? Yeah. So today it was like, we were literally bursting at the seams. So, <laughs> so for me, like I feel physical relief at the end of this conversation, having been able to finally <laughs> get all of my thoughts out of my head. So there you go. Hopefully yeah. I didn't overdo it. No, no now right? you've got two years to, to, you know, kind of compile your thoughts to the next one. Back to Pixar now. There you go. Back to Pixar. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, I, I don't have anything else for you. Any any last words? No, I, I think I think that's all for me. Um, like like I said, thanks so much uh, for having me on. And of course, everybody, be sure to congratulate my little brother who him and his wife Emily put on just just an absolutely beautiful wedding this oh, past it was weekend. Amazing. So it was amazing. I'm, I'm glad he went on a honeymoon so I can be on his podcast for sure. And you're welcome back anytime. You just have to clear with him first. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. I would, I even, this was part of my best man speech, but I, I couldn't be more proud of Tyler for having a project that he's doing and sticking to and has like its very own flavor in, in everything. So it's, it's so much fun to do this, but yeah, you will guys, you guys will hear from Tyler on Monday, Monday's Christmas, it's Monday, Christmas. Yeah. So we have an episode ready for Christmas day and then we'll be back as per normal on the 28th wicked so everything's ready we're we're preparing for a huge 2018 here at bacon and eggs as well and you know thank you so much again ben for coming on and that's all i've got not a problem see you guys next time so there it is ladies and gentlemen my interview with ben carlin on bacon and eggs i hope you guys enjoyed listening to that ben's a great dear friend of mine obviously he's tyler's brother so we loved having him on here and the man's a true expert on star wars here so i was really glad that we could bring him in to talk about the last jedi uh, as always you guys can find me on instagram and twitter at wow now but the o's are zeros tyler is at america carlin and you can find ben at scb ben if you want to look for the show we're on facebook at bacon and eggs podcast you can also join our fan page which is bacon and eggs fans uh, that's a great Facebook group where we're getting a lot of our insider info for what episodes we're going to do these days. So go ahead and head on over there and join. It's a great time. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Bacon and Eggs 23. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, in addition, if you want to help us keep the lights on here, Bacon and Eggs, we've got a Patreon at uh, it's patreon.com slash bacon and eggs. And we would love for any any help out counts. Uh, it'd be super great if you guys could just uh, head on over there and and drop us a couple bucks if you got it. If not, you know I understand it's the holidays, so no big deal. But we would love to to have any kind of donations we can to help us out here. It really really means the world to us. And uh, you guys will hear from us again on Christmas Day. Like I said, we've got an episode coming out for you then. So go ahead and look forward to that. And other than that, I hope you guys have a great rest of your year. And we will talk with you on the 28th, right before the new year ends. But, you know, just figured I'd say that now. Uh, until next time, guys. Arrivederci.